Good morning, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in on you. I hope that everybody is having a good start to that week, a good start to that day, whether you are actually working or you're taking the day off and celebrating the holiday. I hope that you are really, truly invested in making this week an extraordinary and exceptional week. And as I like to point out uh, so often, don't let yesterday um, especially if it was a bad day, be an indicator or an influence on what you're expecting today and tomorrow. You've got to be able to see uh, something different in your future if your present isn't what you desire it to be. And that's what I'm actually going to talk to you about. I'm excited about it. Uh, it it's, it's a concept, an idea that I use when working with my clients. It's immensely important that you learn it because it literally will change your life. And I'm going to share it here with you uh, free of charge today. You get to really peek inside of processes that can change your life. Um, with that in mind, I want to encourage you uh, to really start to think about things outside of the scope of what's happening right now because we can really get embedded in a place uh, of giving so much gravity to current moments that they become our uh, perpetual reality. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to encourage you to look at some of the resources in the description box um, so that you can see if there's something there that you can access and use. Uh, we have a lot that we are presenting, a lot of uh, if you go to the site, there are a lot of free. Um, there's also a lot of free uh, resources on the site. Um, obviously, there are also some paid services. Uh, whatever it is, find something that works for you uh, and, and start putting in work in your situation. All right, today I want to talk to you about something. It's going to sound a little funny when I say it, but hopefully by the time I finish explaining it, it will make perfectly good sense to you. Uh, the uh, the title here or the topic here is the key to overwhelming success is the ability to remember your future. So say, how can you remember the future? Let me tell you. See, we have brains that are unbelievably powerful. Uh, it, it has been suggested that we uh, use less than 10 percent of the capacity and power of our brain, that our brain has an unbelievable ability to process things at an alarmingly and at an alarmingly quick uh, pace. It is the most powerful supercomputer on the planet. And you can do some exceptional and extraordinary things with it. Let's say, first of all, you can process and through the subconscious over 400 billion bits of information per second. So it's constantly working. Even when you're asleep, your subconscious is working. Your conscious, on the other hand, is more focused, centered, and uh, submissive to your will and your desires and what you find important. Uh, you make conscious decisions based off of desires. You make subconscious decisions based off of programming. So the subconscious controls about 96 to 97% of your overall behavior. Everything is hardwired and habitually ingrained in your subconscious. You do things automatically. This explains how you could be driving home on a normal route uh, that you travel and get home and can't remember making the last five to 10 minutes of the drive. 
you know you did it because you're sitting in your driveway, but you can't remember. You don't remember if you ran that last stop sign or that last red light or what happened. It is because the subconscious took over and it does it automatically. And it's so natural that you drove home under your subconscious. You were probably on the phone talking. You were probably paying attention to something else or you were in deep thought about some things you're dealing with. And you look up and you're pulling into your driveway and you can't remember. That's why because the subconscious took care of it for you. So we understand that the subconscious controls 96% of our behavior. That's why you can want something very, very badly and never be able to get it because it's not gonna be controlled by what you want because you got a, a part of your consciousness that's controlling 96% of your behavior and then you've got uh, your consciousness uh, that's controlling your, your true consciousness, which is the, the highest level of awareness, but it's only controlling three uh, percent. It can do it can process at any given time about two thousand bits of information per second versus four hundred billion bits of information per second, and so it can only be aware of what it focuses on. The subconscious is aware of everything that's happening around you. It knows all of the things that your consciousness has tuned out, so it can focus and it actually helps your consciousness tune out things that are not important to it through the reticular activating system. But anyway. What happens is that most people use their brain as a record of the past. Most people live their lives based off of memories and experiences, experiences and feelings associated with those memories. So when they decide whether or not they're going to do something or how they're going to behave, it's going to be based off of what they recall in their memories. So they literally look at their memories and say, okay, I've never done this. The subconscious says there's nothing in the memory that confirms that it can be done. And we are basing it off the memory. There's nothing to go on. And that's where the focus is. They're constantly revisiting the past to find out what the future will look like. Well, if you're constantly revisiting the past to find out what the future will look like, the future is going to look like the past because the past is going to set the state at which you expect things. God meets you at the level of your expectation. The universe, light, meets you at the level of your expectations. You are not going to be able to get beyond that. So how do you go from a past that in which you've never done any of the things that you desire to do or, you know, that you've had, I mean, there's so many things that can happen that if that's all you consult, you're going to have a rough go of it in the future. Why? Because you're basing your expectations off of what you've gone through or what you're going through. So how do you do that? You have to learn how to move your brain and your mind out of being a record of the past or a history archive of what you've been through. And you've got to take it and you've got to move it into being a map of what you're about to do. And the brain has the ability to do that. God designed the brain so that the brain cannot discern or distinguish between what's real and what's being imagined. So if I have literally a situation in which I'm living and I'm not happy with it, I can literally imagine it in a different way. And if the imagination is vivid enough and if I can visit it frequently enough, if I can live in it and I can get a feeling and emotion that's attached to it, it literally starts to tell myself in my mind and in my body that this is what it's going to look like when I do it. But then it even gets stronger. What happens? When I visit it enough, the brain begins to believe I've already done it. It can't tell the difference. That's the power that our children have. You ever notice that children, before they get to the age of where we send them off to school and we start telling them, get their heads out of the clouds, uh, stop daydreaming, all that stuff, that they can imagine anything, that they can come up with all kind of ideas that they are really excited about. Like, why? Because they can literally 
predict or see themselves in the future as adults doing some crazy things that nobody ever thought of. And then we reel them back in and tell them that's not real. Get your head out the clouds. This is what your life is going to look like. And we do it frequently enough because we send them to a school that doesn't allow them to explore their imagination. We send them to uh, other organizations that doesn't allow them to uh, consult their imagination. And eventually their imagination becomes dormant. And they only start to look at what their history tells them and what other people around them who are also consulting their history tells them. So they're living off of the archives of their lives and the lives of others. And so they can only talk about doing what's in the archives. So you come from a family that's uh, basically impoverished. We're going to lose the thing that everybody loves to talk about, the most popular thing, and that's getting out of poverty. So you come from an impoverished background. You grew up in an impoverished area. So everybody around you is poor. You grew up in a family that's poor. Nobody has ever broken that barrier or that confinement from poverty. The, you know, maybe you got an aunt that makes you know, a certain amount of money. I don't want to insult nobody, so I'm not going to put a number out there. But that makes that kind of money. But they're nowhere near escaping poverty, just a lot better off than maybe the rest of the family. So they're looked at as the go-to for when people really need something. But they haven't really truly achieved wealth. Why? Because if they don't get up and go to work every day, they'll end up in the same situation. That's not wealth. Wealth says that if I never go to work again, no matter no, no matter what, I'm still good. I literally have money working for me, and that money will pay for everything that I desire to do and the lifestyle I desire to live. It's not how much money you got. It's that the money you have coming in that you don't work for covers the lifestyle you choose to lose. You, you got some people who are happy living in a small house with a car that they, they, they paid for and taking a trip every now and then. And, and, and doing whatever and living that life. And if they have the means to pay for that without them working, they're wealthy because their lifestyle is covered. They're never going to be in a strain for a way to cover their lifestyle. Some other people want a more exorbitant lifestyle. They want all the nice things that you see that most people associate with wealth. They want all that. Well, then they still have to have that money uh, coming in and working for them. That's wealth. So, but you never experienced that. Nobody in your family has ever created wealth. Nobody in your family has a situation where they don't have to wake up and go to work, that they literally do what they do because they love it, but they've got mechanisms in play where money is being passively created, revenue is being passively created, whether it's indexing, uh, in, investing in the index, investing in a number of other different ways that actually outperform the index or whatever. You know, that, that, that's what they've got going on. So they're good, right? But you don't have that. So every time that you consult the records of the past, they tell you that there's nothing there for you. You're going to be a person that's going to get up every day, go to work for somebody else, and that's your lot in life. And so you get up every day and you go to work. Most And, and, and the numbers say that, statistics say that 85% of people in America get up and go to work to a job they hate. 85% of people are literally working solely because if they don't work, they don't eat. Not because they love what they're doing, not because they're passionate about it. And believe me, their work is out there. That work that they can get up and do and absolutely can't wait to get out and go do it, it's out there for them. But they have woken up and they consulted their archives and they've taken in the, the, the influences of the other people who are associate, uh, 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 consulting their archives and they come up with an idea. This is what life is like. You get up, you go to a job you don't like, you deal with people you don't like, you get prepared to go through stressful moments because these people get on your nerves and you got to bite your tongue. You got to do all this stuff to get it through. And you're never going to be paid what you really worth because that's just the way the game is played. You go out, get as much as you can, do what you can. You go to a job where they're going to pay you just enough not to quit and you're going to do just enough not to get fired. And that's what life is about. No, it isn't. But that's what happens when you consult 
the archive. See, if the archive says this is all you've ever done, that's the limit of what you'll do. So then how do you get past consulting the archive? You gotta literally use your imagination to project and see into the future the possibilities. That's why God gave us an imagination. That's why God gave us an imagination. God said, look, you can literally in your mind create something that does not exist and manifest it into your future. And the way you begin it is by imagining it then believing that what you have imagined is possible, then having such a clear vision of it that it literally produces an actual real emotional reaction to the imagination that it literally sets you in motion. That's how you manifest. You sit up and you come up with an idea that something that you have not done is possible. You see it, you, it becomes a part of your vision, and then you have the capacity to remember the future. What does that mean? That means you created an imagination, an image, a vision of what the future looks like. And every time that you remember it, you're literally remembering what you're like, not your past. So now instead of consulting the past, your brain has now become a map of the future. It's no longer a record keeper, even though it's got the records filed away, that's not its primary function anymore. It can still do that when you need to recall something, it's still there. And there are ways that you can really tap into the power of your ability to remember. You'd be surprised. Everything that you've ever encountered is there. It's not gone. It may be so buried in that the, 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 the neuroreceptors and synaptic connections that, that are attached to that memory may be so unused that it would really take some processes to find it. But there are some unbelievable practices that will allow you to go back and pull up any memory you want to. That's how we help people deal with trauma. We walk them back slowly through the processes and we take them back to moments that they literally bury in order to cope. But it, it's possible, but that's not where you wanna spend your time. Where you wanna spend your time is, if, you're not, if you want something that you haven't been doing, you cannot consult the archive. The archive has nothing for you in there. You have to literally be able to consult your future, but you have to be first of all, be able to create the future you desire in your mind. And this is the beautiful thing, because I believe in uh, a benevolent God, maybe not the way that you believe uh, or the presence you believe, but I believe that in a benevolent God, I don't believe in a sadistic God, a God that wants you to suffer, a God that wants you to go through hell, a, a God that gets uh, kicks out of watching you have life run through you. I don't believe it. I believe that God created you to do something exceptional and extraordinary and equipped you to do it. But you have to be aware of the equipping, which is your purpose. And that, that, that's the thing. So here's the beauty about it. With God having created all this ability to do all these things, that's something that I just, a conclusion that I came to. You know, we hear people say, if you can conceive it in your mind, you can achieve it. Why is that? Well, I don't believe that a God that I think is benevolent, a God that I think is good, a God that I think doesn't want to see me suffer, would allow me to conceive something in my mind that I want very badly and then not be able to have it. So the very idea that I can conceive it in my mind is God's evidence to me that it's possible. I don't need to question anything else. I don't need to seek anybody's consultation. I don't even need to ask anybody's approval or opinion. The fact that I can conceive it in my mind tells me that it's possible because God will not allow me to imagine something that I can never have. That would be torment. That would be torture. That's not God. No matter how he's, no matter how God's been painted to you in the past, God is not sitting up saying, ooh, that'll be, I'm gonna let him just really, really imagine that. Then I'm gonna suck the life out of it and watch him just melt. 
That's not how God operates. That's how the world operates. That's how you thinking in a fatalistic mindset produces that type of emotion. That's not how God operates. Okay. So, but how do we get to creating this vision when so much of our life has been diametrically opposed to the idea that we are trying to live? How do we get there? That's the beauty of it. See, when we talk about kids and imagination, like I mentioned earlier, at a certain age, they just have this unbelievable imagination. They're just downloading stuff all the time and believing stuff. There's nothing that they see that they don't think is possible. Why? Because they're in a state of theta the vast majority of the time, all the way up until they're around six or seven years old, they're in this state of theta. What is state of theta is when things are uploading or downloading into their into their brain, into their minds. It's it's telling them what will be possible in life, what's acceptable in life, uh, how you're going to engage life. You know, it's going to determine whether they see life from the perspective of a victim or a conqueror. All these things are happening based off of the environment they're around, what they're exposed to, and they're downloading that whole time. And the truth is, the average person will have the, completely downloaded their entire program for life at about 34 uh, to 36 years of age. They will literally have the program they're going to run on the rest of life if they don't change the program. Now, after about six or seven years old, kids move out of the state of theta and they move into other states of consciousness. And they pretty much, that's why it's hard to tell somebody something after a certain age. You can tell them, hey, look, this ain't what it really is, but it's, it's, it's downloaded. It's a part of the program. You're not going to easily move that because it's a part of the program. It's literally a part of the paradigm through which they live their lives. And if you start messing with that, you're shaking the foundation of how they balance life and how they live. They're going to fight you on that because that's simply what the, the, the paradigm says. So they have to actually make up in their mind, what I'm living isn't all that I could be living. What I'm living isn't close to being what I'm, what's possible. I'm going to have to upload a new program that examines all the possibilities because the program I have now is extremely limited. I've got the old version and the old version isn't working. So I'm going to have to upload a new program. But now you're no longer in the state of theta where anything that comes up is received. Matter of fact, you're in a state a lot of times of beta, which is, I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm, I'm getting it. I ain't with that. I ain't with that. I ain't with that. I ain't with that. So it's pushed your consciousness to study rejecting new ideas, new ideas that can set you up and, and, and make all your wildest dreams come true. But you, you're rejecting them because it doesn't align with your current program. So beta's just pushing stuff back. So how do you get to theta? That's the beautiful part of it. God thought about all of this stuff. God set up and says, some people are not going to get the download immediately. And then they're going to go into beta, which is supposed to lock in the power of thinking right. Right? So you're in beta. Now, nobody's going to come around and tell you something stupid and you're going to fall for it. But what, what happens when you have a poor programmer and you're programmed poorly and now it's locked in? Well, God said, I can fix that. There's going to always be a way to reprogram. And the way you reprogram is through theta, but you don't experience theta the way that kids do. Kids are in theta almost all the time. They're just absorbing stuff. That's why you got to be careful what you allow around your kids, what you allow your kids to listen to, what you tell your kids about themselves, right? Okay. So here's the time that you're in a state of theta. In that period of between conscious, before you go to bed, before you fall asleep, let's say that. In that state, before you fall asleep, of consciousness and complete sleep, which is subconsciousness, there's a state of theta, which is very vulnerable to suggestion. So this is the time that you can put on verbal programming that is going to speak 
what you desire to think into your mind. I am wealthy. I handle money well. I am a master of my own destiny. All these things. This is the science of affirmations. Affirmations is not some magic potion. You just go out and say it. The reason it doesn't work for a lot of people is they're saying affirmations when they're in their most conscious moment, a state of beta where they are literally saying it in their mind, I go, fool, you are broke. Fool, you done had three divorces. Fool, and it's telling you this, and then you're immediately rebutting what you're trying to upload. It's never having a chance to anchor. But when you're in that sub subconscious state where you're not completely asleep, but you're no longer completely awake, the more you start to drift into the sleep before you go to complete subconsciousness where you can still hear, but the subconscious mind is no longer in, I mean, the conscious mind is no longer in control. That's when stuff gets past it. The gate is open. The gate is open for suggestion. That's why you got to be real careful about what you think about before you go to sleep. You don't want negative things on your mind. Why? Because it's going to impact your sleep, probably impact your dream state, and cause you to wake up with the same stress and negativity that you went to sleep with. You want to always make sure you go to sleep in a positive state with positive things on your mind, positive expectation. Because if nothing else, you'll fall asleep thinking about the things you desire, and that will seek into your subconscious. But when you have something that you can literally play, put your earphones on, play it, and, and make it about five to ten minutes. When you feel yourself falling asleep, press play, and it'll play until you fall asleep or even after. And then when you wake up during the night, you can take the headphones and toss them to the side and go back to sleep. Consistently do this for as, I mean, for as little as 30 days and you'll see an unbelievable change in your perception, an unbelievable change in what you expect, an unbelievable change in your physiology. Your blood pressure will be lower because you'll be less stressed. Uh, you will have a, a higher level of imagination. You'll start to see things different. Things that you used to consider to be problems will no longer be problems, but challenges for you to use your great creativity to overcome. I'm telling you that you're not going to circumvent life's trials, life situations, life struggles. Things are going to happen that you don't like, but you're never stuck there. Now, you can become stagnant in it because you're trying to force it to act the way you want it to act. And you're trying to force a response upon it that doesn't work. And you're not stepping back long enough to take a look at it and say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not handling it the right way. But you're never stuck, but you have to be willing to understand how God designed the brain to work. See, we like to talk about God. We like to talk about God in this real abstract way that nobody understands, that nobody can really get at. And so what we normally do is we sit up and say, I'm going to try it. It doesn't work. It's not God's will. But God says nothing shall be impossible. That's the same God. Nothing should be impossible. We love to use God as an excuse. If it ain't God, it's Satan. The devil did it, or God is not God's will. In other words, I get excused from anything that I can't get done immediately or quickly or easily. I can excuse it by just sitting up saying it's not God's will and I can move on to the next thing. No, you got to get it done. God's giving you everything uh, that you need to change your thinking, change your programming. Your subconscious is controlling 96% at least of your life. If it's not producing what you want to do, you're going to have to change the programming. You're using programming that does not fit your desires. You can't come from an impoverished background, never be exposed to anything that cultivates wealth and think you're just going to one day say, I want to be wealthy and it's going to happen. And even if for some freak way it does, say, for instance, you're incredibly gifted as an athlete or you win the lottery. What normally happens to the vast majority of those people? 
Why? They go broke because their thinking and their programming isn't designed for them to handle what they've received. You've got to change the programming. If you've gone through some, some, some breakups in relationships and you sit up and said, okay, this is the third marriage. You're going to have to first be willing to admit, even if the other person is the one that did something that caused the end, you're going to have to admit that I'm the only common denominator. That's something in me that at the very least is attracting the wrong type of person. I'm going to have to change my program. I'm going to have to change the way I see myself. I'm going to have to change the way I move. I'm going to have to change the way I operate. I am going to have to literally start creating a new future for myself in vision. And then I'm going to have to learn and teach myself how to remember my future. That's how you change your life. That's how you create success when you don't have a background of success to refer to. You literally have to create and envision the future that you desire for your life and then learn how to remember it, learn how to visit it. That was a time when I was going through a rough time. If you follow me, you know what time in my life that was. But I'm going through it, right? And people are telling me I'm in denial. Why were they telling me I was in denial? Because they see me smiling. They see me acting like nothing's wrong. And they say, you're in denial. You know, you're not being transparent. You're not being open. You're not being honest with yourself. Say, no. See, what you want me to do is you want me to invest all of my identity into my moment. You want me to invest all of what I am into this transitory moment that I know by experience won't last forever. You want me, despite sitting up and singing all day long in church, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. You want me to behave as if it does. But see, what you don't get about me is while I'm presently, physically in this moment, I am simultaneously in my mind, in my mentality, remembering my future, visiting what it looks like when I come out of this. Y'all don't hear me. When I come out of this, I'm living there while going through it here. So physically I'm here, operationally I'm here, but spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, I'm living in my future. Remembering my future is what got me through the darkest parts of my past. You've got to understand, God built it that way. If you can't see yourself in a better situation, you'll never achieve it. Stop consulting your past. Stop using your mind and your brain as a record of the past. Start using it as a mapping mechanism for your future. You have the ability to literally create in your mind anything you desire. The more you connect with it, the more you believe it, the more powerful it becomes. It will change your speech. It will change your behavior. It will change your perception. It will change how you receive and view things. It will change your life. That's science. That's not some metaphysical idea, that's science. That's literally something that is being tracked by scientists now, that when you are in a state of theta, you can change your entire perception. You can upload an entirely new program that will change your behavior, that will change what you do when you get a dollar in your hand, that will change what you do when you've got somebody in front of you that looks like they might be a mate for life, that will change your perception when you're sitting up and you're analyzing and breaking down the possibilities of what you can do in business, what you can do in finance, what you can do. It's And here's the last thing I'm going to tell you. When you're doing this thing, don't make the mistake of consulting your present situation. 
Don't make the mistake of consulting your feelings. Establish in your mind that you have the ability to call things that are as though they weren't. Establish in your mind that you have the ability to sit up and manifest anything that your mind can conceive. If it's a good thing and that you will be using it with the intent of good, it can't be withheld from you. That's the beauty of it. There's nothing that you can use for good for yourself and others that cannot be manifested. The problem is we limit ourselves with limited beliefs, limited beliefs, limited ideas of who we are, restricted ideas of what we're capable of. We buy into the notion of what other people think about us. We let other people's opinions of us define us and we walk around living a life that's mediocre and being frustrated with it because we walking in someone else's idea of who we are. Learn how to remember your future. It's a, oh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I will be honest, if I would only look at the idea of what's going on in my life, these last few months have been rough. Hospitalized in November after losing a significant revenue stream uh, on YouTube for something I didn't do, still haven't gotten that resolved, dealing with the, uh, my grandfather died on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, 20 something years ago. And that's still a rough time for me. So all this is happening at the same time. A lot of other stuff is going on. I'm trying to make some things happen business-wise, trying to do some things in the community. And I don't walk around with a mediocre mindset. So things I'm trying aren't small. The things I'm trying are huge. The things that I'm trying wake me up in the morning. I literally live my life based off of an idea I got from Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick once said that if the vision you have for your life isn't so huge that it intimidates you, there's a good chance it's insulting God. What was he saying? He was saying, if you're not thinking big enough, you're insulting God. God didn't make you for mediocrity. God didn't make you to be average. God didn't make you to sit around and just float around and get through and be a survivor and just exist. God designed you to do something spectacular, exceptional, not for the sake of your ego, but for the sake of empowering and inspiring other people. People should be able to look at the life you're living and see God through that. People talk all the time. People say, why do you dismiss the religiosity of your faith so much when you're so uh, intent on connecting with God? Because religiosity teaches limitations. Religiosity teaches us to consult the things we shouldn't consult. Religiosity gets us so connected to the wrong thing. See, I'm more along the lines of the thing that bothers God about us the most is not just simply sin, as it's seen in almost all religions at some point. To me, the greatest failure when you're dealing with God is for go out and to tell people you're associated with God and for them to look at your life and see him in a negative light. Let me, let me explain that again. If you want to really truly be tight with God, when you mention that you love God or that you got God in your life, somebody better see something in your life that says, can I get to know him? If you're not living that type of life, that even when you're going through something, they still see your light, that's what God doesn't like. That's what really anger. I created you to be exceptional. I created you to be extraordinary. I created you that when people look at you, they can see me and look what you're doing with it.
That's what I'm talking about. So when I go out there, I'm trying to live a life that when people see me, even when they looking at me and go, brother, you're supposed to be down on the ground, doubled over and clenched up with everything you're going through. No. See, I'm living in the future. I already see what's going to happen. If it doesn't destroy me, I'm coming out of this thing. And I'm coming out of it better than when I went in. I'm coming out of it more powerful. I'm coming out of it in a, in a far more advanced position than I was before it started. My grandfather told me, son, you're going to be in one of three places in life. That's how it is. You're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of one. Let me tell you something. If you want to experience greatness, child, let me tell you what you do. When you're in the storm, don't complain. When you're in the storm, don't fight. When you're in the storm, let me tell you what you do. Just make sure that the storm shapes you in a way that when you come out, you come out a better man than when you went in. You won't have to chase greatness, son. It'll overtake you. Some of you are running from the moment that's meant to make you great. I didn't mean to even go this far today. Some of you are literally running from the challenge that is designed to make you great. We're so risk avert and hurt avert that we won't even take on the things that were meant to refine us, empower us. We're so busy consulting our past, we using our brains and our minds as a record of the past that we don't see the possibilities of the future. There is a need for a shift. There's a need for elevation and growth. I don't, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can come out of this thing head and hell high in victory if you understand the power that has been implanted in you by way of your gift. Hmm. Shake yourself loose from low expectations. Shake yourself loose from past hurts. Shake yourself loose from the things that are stopping you from seeing the beauty of your future. Hmm. If you're breathing, I'm, I'm gonna say this and I'm done. If you're breathing, you're here for a reason. Mm. Some of y'all have been convinced that your sole purpose was to be saved. And after that, you all you want to talk about is heaven. You, 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 you don't want to talk about nothing but heaven. You've become so spiritually and heavenly good that you're uh, useless here on the earth. You, 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 you miss the whole thing, because if it was solely about your salvation, once you received it, you'd have been gone. That would have been it. Like, woo, face to face. So why am I still here? Why am I still breathing? Why am I in the midst of so much turmoil and difficulty? Because I was put here to change it. I was put here to impact it. I was put here to be an image of what's possible. When people look at me, they shouldn't see so much religious rhetoric that they can't understand what I'm saying. They shouldn't see so much claiming and then nothing in the sense of the light that I'm living. In other words, they should be able to look at me and say, even in the roughest times, this brother's light is on. Even when he should be folding, his light is on. 
Even when those that he fights the hardest for can't understand him, his light is on. I refuse to operate without the light on. See, I don't believe in the lies of the illusions of darkness. It may be dark, but God dwells in the darkness. Why don't you ask Solomon? Start living your best life, not as some joke or some one-off statement, but after you examine what God has put inside of you, ask yourself, am I even living close to the potential of what God has planted in me? Am I living? Hmm. I'm I'm not saying I was done, but I'm somewhere right now. My spirit won't let me quit yet. And there's nothing more beautiful than letting the spirit take the lead because things I can't see, God communicates. And it may not work the same way for you. You may not see God the same way I do. I don't tell you how to. I tell you, you better know God. See, so many people trying to see God the way somebody else told them and they never developed this personal relationship, this personal connectivity. So they can never trust that God is going to be there for them because they don't really truly have a personal relationship. They have a religious relationship based off of something somebody told them. Religious ought to, religion ought to get you there, but that personal relationship is what's going to carry. But, you know, when I think about Bible stories, there's so many things. I'm like, how can you have so many things in front of you that talk about exceptional and extraordinary power and then you live a life of defeat? Mm. Get it. My man, my man, Gideon. Gideon is such a coward that he's hiding in the wine press while uh, sifting wheat. He's hiding from the Midianites. These darn Midianites have been causing drama for a minute. If you're not mistaken, what wasn't Joshua fighting Midianites? But that's a whole other story. So the Midianites. A wreaking havoc, and Joshua is afraid of it. But then there comes the apparition, and uh, what 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 many the, theologians call a theophany, the appearance of Christ pre uh, physical manifestation. So we understand in theology that in Christian theology that Christ has always existed, that the Godhead has always existed and that it has manifested itself in different ways through different times, but it has always existed. Okay, so a theophany is the appearance of, of God. And in this, it says, mighty, he, he refers to Joshua, I mean, uh, he refers to Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Now, this is the same dude hiding in the wine press. But yet, God refers to him as a mighty man of valor. Check this out. God is already starting the reprogramming process. Because it's such an emphatic experience, the subconscious now is at the surface. His conscious mind has stepped back. Why? Because now he's experiencing something that can't possibly be happening. So his spiritual alignment and enlightenment has taken front and center to experience it. So the conscious mind is now in the background. It's still present because it's still got questions, but it's opened up. So God says, mighty man of valor. God was like, hey, can't be talking to me. I'm not, I, I, I am not only of the weakest clan 
in in, 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 in in this thing, but I'm the weakest one in my clan. God said, yeah, but you're the mighty man of God. Well, hold on a second. Let me test this. See, the planet, see, now this is a God planet, see, so it's moving a little faster than if it was some other kind of way. But the whole thing is, Gideon goes from being the coward hiding to God calling the God. Now, he, he asked for some proof, and that's the other thing that I love about this, because we're totally... We're, we're constantly being told as kids, don't question God. But every time I look in the Bible, they, shoot, those who are closer to him, of course, David questioned. But, 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 but he said, hey, if it's really you, because I, I think I might be tripping. But if it's really you, I'm going I'm to need you to do something for me. God did it. He came back and said, okay, that was cool, but let's do it the reverse this time. God did it again. said, oh, well, hey, it's got to be. And from that, we move to a story of Gideon and Gideon's 300 that's still being told today. I'm not here to argue with anybody about the validity of the story. I'm here to talk about this happens each and every day with people all day long. There are Gideons out there that are being awakened by God and God's ability to show you who you really are. The thing that you should take from that is while the world is calling you where you're at and what you're going through, God is calling you by your design. He didn't call. Now, check this out. He's hiding. So his very nature and actions are saying he's a coward. But God calls him what? A mighty man of what? Valor. What does valor look when you check the uh, etymology of valor? Valor, it talks of courage. He's speaking the total opposite of the behavior. Reprogramming. He's doing a super, super fast version of it, but he's reprogramming. He's uploading the new program. You're a mighty man of valor. He stops consulting his past and starts remembering his future. I'm challenging you, no matter where you're at. Again, I'm not here to tell you how to approach God. That would be arrogant of me as far as I'm concerned. I'm just saying that God didn't design you for mediocrity. There's somebody out there that needs you to be your best self. You're going to change their life. I, I watched my wife, and she said something this morning that totally moved me, and I know her to be that person. And that's the person that I wake up every day and try to be, is that she's inspired to inspire someone. She's, she, 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 the best thing that you could ever tell my wife is that, because of you, my life changed. That's what life is about. But you can't live a defeated life believing everything in your past is the only thing you have. And inspire people. People need to see that despite the fact you came from incest, despite the fact you came from poverty, despite the fact that you had issues and struggles in school and, and, and despite the fact that you made some poor decisions that may have landed you in, 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 a, in a state of incarceration, you overcame. It wasn't the end of your story. The hardships didn't write the definition of your legacy. That somebody can look at you and know that no matter where they're at now, there's hope. That's what God needs people to see when they see you. They, he needs people to look at you and see the possibilities of what it's like with him. On that note, I'm going to get out of here.
as I always say, look, man, I live my life on full every day. Some days are better than others. Some days I'm taking a licking. But the thing is, I have taught myself to remember my future. I know that whatever, whenever it gets bad, whatever I'm going through now is not the end of the story. That if I persevere, that if I push through, that if I believe, that if I understand delay does not mean denial, that I understand that there's something on the other side, that I can live in it, I can see it, I can visualize it, I know it's coming. It becomes so real that I can feel it. I'm living it on full because somebody needs to see that in me. I'm challenging you to do the same thing. On that note, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have an unbelievable day. I'm out.